0: Talking Dice Masters, the beauty of the underlying mechanics, the hidden complexities, and the strategy, tactics, and decisions of competitive play.
1: If you're just starting the game or have been here since the first set,
0: hopefully you'll find something in this show that'll do you some good. So shake up your bag, reconnoiter your opponent, and get ready to roll. Tear down the walls, sound the tuba, and let the fists fly, because at least for this brief moment in time, we have officially returned to a combat-focused meta. Yeah,
1: things may change come July 22nd when Infinity Gauntlet drops. There's a bunch of hard control in there, like Rare Drax, Rare Tombstone, both of the Angelas, Loki, Typhoid Mary, not to mention Mayblazer that's coming in Spider-Man, plus two of the Pips, the rare Spider-Man. Wong and Doctor Strange are nasty removal, but yeah, the results of the EarthX Origins event should put to rest any doubt as to whether WizKid's desire to move the game back towards
0: combat would be effective. For sure. And you're right about the new sets. Things are not going to solidify here for long. But the threat of that massive Alpha Strike, especially with Lawler, Becky, and Godcatcher in the meta, is still going to be there, especially with the amount of hard removal that's arriving with Infinity Gauntlet. It appears like we might be entering a meta where hard control gets countered by hard removal, or vice versa, and then there's not only the threat of that Alpha Strike always lurking in the wings, but But there's also a lot of super effective direct damage strategies being added to the card pool. I think it's going to make for a very fraught, intense, and dramatic style of Dice Masters play. Gunned out, but
1: let's take a moment and appreciate living in a truly combat-driven meta, even if it is only for a short period of time, which I think it might not be. All this hard removal is making it look like we will be in a combat-oriented meta for a long time here.
0: Well, there's some good direct damage out there, too. And that's one of the things that I love about this game, is that it's constantly shifting beneath your feet. The introduction or removal of a handful of cards can completely change the feel and style of play of the game itself. And if you're going to be a consistent player, you've got to learn to roll and adjust with the tide. For me, that's something that keeps the game fresh. And even though some folks have bemoaned the lack of randomness mitigation given the state of the current limited card pool... I find it interesting that the folks who accepted and embraced the current state of affairs and who tweaked and practiced their teams with that in mind were able to do quite well in this tournament. I know for a fact that most of the top eight did a lot of practicing for EarthX, So that tells me that the game may be less random than what it appears to be on the surface. I don't think that you're suggesting that the game won't get more rich and more varied with the introduction of these new sets. Oh, no, no. I think they're going to make for a great meta, but I think it would be unfortunate not to recognize the uniqueness of this moment where people are trying to leave their fields completely empty and simultaneously swing for the heavens with alpha strikes. That's new to the game. New piloting, new strategies, a new way of thinking, and I think that's added to the variety of experience for this game of Dice Masters that helps keep it fresh for old timers. And a shifting meta gives all types of players their chance to experience the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And like you said, if you hate the meta now, stick around. It'll be totally different in a few months. But while we're here... Let's take a moment to look back at some of the statistics from the EarthX Origins Tournament and take a sort of snapshot of the current meta. We had 45 players participate in the event, which was the largest online Dice Masters event yet, driven in part by the generous prize support from our friends over at WizKids and the timely promotional help from the likes of DM Armada, and our fellow podcasters slash YouTubers like the Ministry of Dice, DM United, the Double Double and Dice crew from DM North, and of course, our friends at the CR Game Room. Perhaps the most impressive stat of all is that 43 of the 45 players finished the entire tournament without dropping, which really speaks to not only the integrity of the community, how fun the game is in its own right. Fundamentally, people are using every opportunity they have because the game is fun. Like you said before, it seemed like WizKids wanted to
1: move the meta in the direction of combat damage and away from wall building, which is reflected in the final results. The highest finishing direct damage team was Peter Vandeveld's Iceman team, which finished 13th place with a 4-2 record. Mister 6 was the next highest direct damage team, he was running Green Lantern, and he finished in 15th place also with a 4-2
0: record. I should point out that he was also running that cool heavy armor Joppa combo that could potentially thwart Becky, but... It still wasn't enough. And so the top eight was really all a variety
1: of different takes on how to use Becky or how to slam through Godcatchers, and we'll be discussing some of those teams and strategies in the very near future. Shall we do it? Let's do it. My
0: galore. Today on the show, we'd like to welcome the Augur of Austin, a top two finisher in multiple WKOs, the winner of both the PDC in Waco and in Austin, the organizer and a participant in virtual worlds part 2 and now the winner of the earth x origins dice masters roll some thunder champion elenaka
2: Alan, welcome to Rolling Thunder. Thank you for that
0: wonderful intro. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, it's all downhill from here, but we we brought the enthusiasm to start it off. (laughs) Well, Alan, thank you so much for joining us today. One of our big hopes when we started this podcast was to get some of the old pros, some of those folks, to, to rejoin the community. And your name is super familiar. You know, I know you've kind of been in and out for a while. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey through Dice Masters and where it began and and how you ended up, you know, with the crown, so to speak?
2: Well, I started Dice Masters right whenever um, AVX was re-released, and it was right before Uncanny X-Men was coming out, but I went up to the local store here, Dragon's Lair, and there was a tournament going on. I had seen the game online and saw there was something going on. I was like, oh, this is cool. It's a tournament. There were like 45 people playing the game. It turns out it was a WKO that day. <laughs> so my first experience was actually seeing a WKO go on, and it was just crazy big. And so it really was, and I, so I bought a starter pack and I bought the Uncanny candy starter pack and loved the game and started rainbow drafting with some people here and i've been playing really ever since then i took about a year off but then i saw this tournament and i've always wanted those x Men animated cards so i was super excited to get a chance to play nowhere thought i was going to win it was a super surprise so very excited about how everything went
0: perfect perfect i love it you know talk about baptism by fire and and that was what we were hoping. We were going to, when we were talking about starting tournaments way back when. Was the original idea was to send out the bat signal to the old players. So uh, yeah. have you come back and join in? That's just music to my ear, so to speak. Yeah. You back in the day, what was your style of play? Did you have one that you gravitated to? Or- oh, my favorite
2: teams. I loved aggro teams, but I've really always, when I first started playing, I started playing with the Spider-Man double fist where you can reduce their life to 10. <laughs> um, but I've yeah. always done flying sidekicks teams with Falcon and, and those have just built up and built up whenever they started adding allies and everything in. But I've always loved doing sidekicks teams, making my teams unblockable and building up a team and then just being able to hit and do all my damage at once. But it's that, or I've been super aggressive, you know, with Guy Gardner and everything, but played some mass green teams before, all sorts of stuff.
0: Oh, that's great. I mean, it seems like, you know, Texas... In particular, had that style. I mean, Gobby was a big thing for that period of time, and there's a lot of that. Guy Gardner came out of that, and that smoke 'em if you got 'em attitude, you know, lends itself really well yeah. to this new <laughs> meta that we've just entered in, right? This, yeah, this, we are uh, welcome back to combat, welcome God back to hyper aggressivity, right? God was is definitely
2: there. fitting into that, so it was like, oh, hey, look, I can attack and unblock. <laughs> <Sweet.
1: laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Luca, do you have a question? No, uh, I was just saying it's in line with the Texas tradition of walsh and davies and, and slamming through for 10 20 damage <laughs> and two turns and you know, that, that whole thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's interesting. You have, do you have any comments on that? I mean, it feels like the meta's kind of come full circle. I mean, if, there's some people who seem to love it. Other people are a little bit out of sorts about it, but what, what's your feeling on it? Having played since AVX, where do where do you see us in the whole meta shape? You way?
2: know, I had asked on Facebook even before this tournament, cause I started looking to it about a week or two before. And I asked everyone, I was like, do I have to buy the WWE set? Cause it's <laughs> not something that I was interested in. Just not my thing. I love the comic book stuff and the, d and everything, but just WWE just is like, oh, I don't know if I want to get that. And everyone was like, you have to buy it. It's like a meta staple now. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I went out and bought it and started playing that test. And I, I was, every single time i played against Becky, I just had my butt handed to me. Right. And so I, but I, didn't really want to use that card because everyone uses it. And I know it was on my team, but that wasn't my focus. I was like, it's so overpowered. You, you've got to use it in order to win. But it, it kind of actually, while it's overpowered, there are definite counters to it. So, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, sometimes the counter, it, a lot of people are like, oh, well, there's not really a card to counter it. Your life is one of the biggest resources you have. And if you are careful about not fielding characters at the right time, you're not taking yeah. double damage from that. And so it's not going to affect you as much.
1: Before we so, move on to that, well, really quickly, do you think that? a really great counter to Becky Lynch is just being much faster than it. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause like it's hard to be much faster than Becky Lynch. It's actually harder to be faster than Becky Lynch at all because there's just so much going on there. But, do you think it's a better counter than to like put out all the all the Jopas and Masterminds
0: and Poison IVs? I think
2: going fast is always. Yeah, I'm going to say going fast is definitely the best way to get around it.
0: Yeah, yeah, because the Godcatcher in this case just outpaced it, thanks to the help with the Becky Lynch Global. You know, yeah. it makes it that much faster. So Ab- yeah, absolutely paying
2: three energy every time and having a Godcatcher prepped. I mean, it was it was great because okay. like
1: in in my head when I've been going through the mental reps of building recently, I've been like, ah, oh, but I need to save a spot for like Gazer and then another spot for Joppa or something of that nature. I guess now what I'm realizing is there's absolutely no precedent that requires that. Yeah, if you're the beatdown, be the beatdown, like, be, right? Be the beatdown, there's <laughs> right. it, it almost seems these days there's no limit to how fast someone can go.
2: Yeah, I had the lantern ring on there, the yellow lantern ring to intimidate characters out, but really, if it's yeah. if it's at that point I'm having to intimidate people out, I'm. it's too late. It's hard for yeah. me to survive that with the godcatchers. So.
0: I saw a couple times you struggled with it, you landed it, but then you didn't have you, you, your, your goal in your team isn't to feel a lot of little characters, it's no. to feel godcatchers, yeah. which w- unfortunately wouldn't Trigger the Lettering ring because it doesn't come from the field. So, right. but it is a great combo, but maybe not on your team. We'll get to all that because before we get ahead, I'm kind of getting ahead of ourselves because I still want to hear how how it was that the bat signal reached you. Just as a purely on a selfish reason, I'm curious how you heard about the tournament. Uh, what made I, you put your foot back in? All of that kind of stuff.
2: I saw it on Dice Masters Unlimited. I just saw y'all posting that, hey, we're doing this tournament and WizKids is supporting it with the prizes and got excited about that. You know, Dice Masters Unlimited is my go-to source for everything with Dice Masters. You know, everyone posts everything there and it's such a great resource.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. And so you saw it and you thought, let's do it. And what was your next step? It was probably three weeks before the tournament. Yeah. Three or four I weeks. would
2: say that my next step was I started trying to figure out what I needed to do. Like I said, I was asking questions about WWE. And stuff. Um, I actually Mm -hmm. ended up playtesting with James Bloor. and originally I had a hope Rachel Summers team, and was going to try doing the X Men because I didn't want to buy the Becky yet. I was going to try something different, and that's my typical style. Is I had teamwork on the team and everything, and so tried doing an X Men team, and it just wasn't. It I got mutilated, and so I was like, no, I can't do that. So revamped it with James and switched over to some Godcatcher stuff, and still had those cards on my team. And then I played in the tournament on the Thursday before and still just I realized I'm not using those cards whatsoever. I'm just using Godcatcher so I switched out All a right. few more and balanced that out and then I actually played with reg that evening from Dice Masters North and he had suggested I put in the uh, I'm what's the basic action I use I think?
0: yeah the under surveillance yeah Thank yeah, me, yeah.
2: And so I put that in and used that. And I, he had tried giving me a couple more suggestions, and it was just so late. I was going to a water park the next day, and so I didn't really take those other suggestions. And I just put in the under surveillance, and it just happened to be perfect. So
0: yeah, that that was one of the all stars of the team. Look, look, before we get into the team, let's back up just a bit. So, what was on the team when you played in the, the? I believe it was the James's, Was it James's Thursday Night event? Yeah, Dust, Dust um, Masters Unlimited.
2: It was a combination of Hope Summers, Rachel Summers. Godcatcher was on there. Becky was on there. And then I still had the Jubilee Wandra on there. Mm-hmm. It was I was still going. I was going to try and do the X-Men thing, but it just never could fire quick enough. And so, and you're kind
0: of going in two directions, probably. It's right. Similar, it's, I'd be curious. You know, Ben Sayed Scott had a team that was similar to that. He kind of had that. And he, he was successful that, yeah. in the tournament. But I think he pretty much ran for Becky, but I'm not sure. I, I'd be like to hear if he ever got into doing the X-Men thing as well. Interesting. So so you did that. And then what What were your basic acts? And so you changed it up and just kind of got more streamlined into what I, the team actually ended up. I actually
2: had static fielding because I was worried about Becky and I was just going to make them get pulled back. And I took that out because it was just too much of a counter to my team.
1: Yeah. And then
2: I always had the... Um, other basic action on there. Um,
1: confront the mighty.
2: Confront the mighty. Thank you. I'm sorry. I don't have my team pulled up right now, mm. but confront the mighty. Yeah. And my goal with confront the mighty was to get rid of Becky's every single time with the confront the mighty. And because right. so, I can just use, it's a side, you have to have a sidekick or something else in the field and you can get rid of that just that easily with confront the mighty. Interesting.
1: So wait, really, really quickly. Cause this is the big question that I have really quickly is how afraid should people be Of knocking out Becky Lynch. How much more valuable or less valuable is it to have her knocked out and have the 25% chance that she doesn't come back than it is to have the 75% chance that she gets to reroll two of your things, each of which have a 50% chance? You get what I'm saying. You know, like how. I think How valuable is it?
2: I think it's too much of a risk to knock Becky out because she can come back and then she just destroys your field and then she can swing right. for eight repeatedly. My overall strategy turned into getting the Black Widow global and making those small characters attack, and that way they didn't have a field, and All I could right. spin my game mm-hmm. through. That force attack was wonderful, making their characters attack and not be able to build up a wall because Becky's great if you can get a wall going and then you cycle through Becky. But
0: right. Well, let, let's talk about your team. I'm going to break it down here. Do you mind if I just read Absolutely. it out to you here? Okay. Yeah. So we got the three-cost Catcher, which was obviously the focus of the team. That's the famous walking statue. And uh, can you read the the ability, just in case somebody doesn't have that in front of them?
2: Yeah, it's trap, and it says it's triggered by using an action die. And then mm-hmm. if you filled a 10 attack, 10 defense, the Godcatcher uh, token, it has when
0: Godcatcher attacks, target character die must block this turn, if able. Okay, great. And that... Usually is a plus, but occasionally can be a hindrance. All right, now and then you to your Jubilee Wandra. That was one from the earlier times. And uh, can you read that for us? Winfield, a
2: deal two damage to target character, die or opponent.
0: Now that was probably used if and ever you went to turns, correct? And I, mean, I really
2: did go to turns in round. Uh, I believe it was round four against Sue Art. And it was the one time, and that that's when I started buying those, yeah.
0: Did it actually end up helping you in that occasion, or was it just a little insurance policy?
2: It was a little insurance policy. <laughs> I think I missed her
0: that time, and so... Right, okay. And then, of course, we had the Becky Lynch. And I'll, I'll let you do the honors of reading it, because this card was on 22 of the 45 teams out there. So it was out there, and even on the teams that it wasn't out there, it was on their minds, yeah. right? Yeah, so.
2: And it says Overcrush. It's a 5 cost Overcrush. Also, Winfielded reroll re-roll up to 2 Superstar dice. Each die that doesn't roll a Superstar face goes to the used pile, and Becky Lynch deals 1 damage to your opponent for each die used that way. And on top of all that, she has a global pay of shield. <laughs> the first die you purchase this turn is added to your prep area instead of your used pile.
0: Yeah, I mean she's got a little mini storm in there. Great removal. And that's the thing with her. She's got this overcrush with these huge stats. 8-8 on her top side. She removes people. Even people get, are lucky enough to get their jope out or their mastermind out who could absorb the damage. Yeah. There's a 50% chance they're going to go to the used pile anyway. And, and if that weren't enough, she's got the rip 100 Chalkboard Global Honor as well And (laughs) just some ping damage as well To the opponent with the one damage when they re-roll
1: There's just a lot
0: Now a lot of teams were playing this Especially in the top 12 It was at least half of them Were playing it in combination with the two Ringside announcers, Jerry and Booker T You opted not to do that because your team wasn't focused on Becky, but...
2: Well, and here was the cool thing about that, is every single person... I didn't have those on my team, but I could take advantage of it if I wanted to.
0: Yes, you could. Yes, you could. And that force block on Booker is super nasty, and geez, the Jerry is even more nasty, so... (laughs) <laughs> and so you're you sure running could. the
2: risk but you're running the risk of I don't have to put those on my team and I can still use that strategy by having that it's kind of like having, you know, back yep. in my day Professor X on your team like you're giving the other person the Professor X ability yep. so you don't necessarily have to bring it.
0: Yep. And that's one thing I really 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 admire about this team that you've brewed is, you know, the old maxim that make sure that you can use your globals better than your opponent. This team, it it just sings in terms of that, Maxim, because, and and we'll talk about the Globals again. you got that Becky Global putting out a 10-10 catcher every single turn, because you can do that with this next Global coming up, which is the Thor Global, right? You want to read that out to us?
2: Yeah. I don't even know what the card says. I never bought it. (laughs) Uh, it
0: (laughs) It's got a tune, you know? (laughs) It's a tune card. And then
2: the the Global, that's why it was on the team for everyone, I think, was pay a lightning once per turn. The next action die you purchase
0: this turn costs two less. Right. And you've got a lot of actions you want to buy. So it's helping you more than any of your opponent. And if you've got three-cost actions like God Catcher and Under Surveillance that you need to buy, you can then use that Becky Lynch Global to prep it right that very same turn. So Every Problem Has a Nail is the subtitle of it. Is, is a nail. Is a nail. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, I love that. Anyway, so... The next one we talked a little bit about, it. it was the Yellow Lantern Ring, the Weaponer's Ring, which basically gives character dice in your reserve pool Intimidate. So if you run into trouble, you can use that to remove some Joppas or other mastermind kind of characters, right? Yeah. Then you had Eddie Guerrero, I Steal, which works great on this team. You know, a lot of teams were kind of, you could see in the makeup of the whole overall tournament, people were wrestling about whether to bring Eddie or Istrid, or both in some cases— but unlike on a, on a Becky team, you kind of want Istrid because you want people to only block Becky when she attacks. And you don't want to have to attack with Eddie and give them something else to be able to block here you've got Eddie, you're going to be swinging with Godcatchers, so it doesn't matter if Eddie jumps out into the fray as well and takes away their energy, right? Any thoughts, other thoughts on Eddie? I I put Eddie in because of the
2: static field global, actually, and so any time that if someone could send my Godcatcher back, I wipe their energy.
0: Yep, exactly. And then you were talking about this earlier, Black Widow, the Widow's Bite, with the pay a fist, once per turn, target character die, must attack this turn, And, and I believe you put that to really good use this tournament, right?
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, I mean, that way I didn't even have to have an action to get the unblockable. If they don't have characters in the field then it's already
0: yeah, I can just over. get
2: that damage through. <laughs> and I'll take it like I said, your life is a resource. Take that three damage from Joppa and let them take 10 yeah exactly or 20 as the case may be right yeah.
1: <laughs> really quickly I'm just out of curiosity why black widow over scott hall because all your other stuff is bolts it's
2: a great question and i would have put scott hall on but i did not have that card because that w- didn't come in the main box that came in the team pack and i haven't bought this team uh, pack.
1: that's
0: right yeah
2: so but yeah i would i would absolutely trade black widow for scott hall when i get that
0: before we talk die counts, because that's the next thing I want to bring up with you. But then we got the last card on the team, not including basic actions, is Intellective Hour which you chose the three cost one for spark but i'm assuming you never ever bought that this no. is strictly for the global yep you want to read that out to us
2: yeah once during your turn you may spend one of your npc dies to an energy face move it to your circle
0: right now there's been a lot of chatter about this card in particular because it's such a powerful global in terms of it gives you so much flexibility and at the moment it's the only energy fixer in the game uh, other than i suppose clayface you could say is but sidekick spinner let's put it that way uh Anyway, but it gives so much benefit to the other team. But in this case you can use this global better than your opponent because you want a thin field. If your opponent chooses to start spinning things down, it just makes that, that God token all the more threatening. Were you finding that to be the case on the day?
2: Yes, I was. And a lot of people spun their sidekicks down and I'm like, yes, deep down inside. <laughs> <laughs> my door
0: to myself, but I was watching them yeah. spin those
2: down and I'm like, cool, I'll take that.
0: Yeah, sure. That's that's the perfect example of that maxim of bringing a global that suits you better than your opponent, you know? Also, they can spin
1: down. However, much they want, but I, I seriously doubt that they would be able to outspeed the Godcatcher, anyways, <laughs> or out control it. If... Yeah, well, there were
0: nine people who played the three cost Godcatcher in the entire tournament. And there and were actually the
1: top... ten who did two cost, which is an interesting fact. More people use two costs than the three cost Godcatcher. Because but... I think
0: pe- more people were worried about Becky, but. In the top eight, there were two people playing this Godcatcher team, and it's interesting, Benzino Scott also had a team that was very similar to yours, but he was not running Confront the Mighty and Under Surveillance so I think just that subtle difference made all the difference. So let's talk about those two basic actions. But before we do that, let's back up. Before you had Under Surveillance, what was it? You had Static Field, correct? I was had
2: Static one? Field, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, so that, that's a huge change, right?
2: Because yeah. my original plan, even when I had the Hope Summers Rachel team, the Confront the Mighty, Like my whole thing was, oh, I've got to find a way to get rid of Becky's. And so that's why I'd Confront the Mighty in so I could knock those out. But then I left that there just because I like that. It's a fun, gimmicky thing. And then we put in that under surveillance on Thursday night. And that was the, both of those were great. I used both of them during the tournament.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did Now, well, the one danger with Confront the Mighty is if somebody can use the sidekick to knock out one of your God Catchers and take it out of there, was I, I know, I think Jackalope Spam was maybe have used that against you. Did anybody else? think to kind of buy those out from right. under you and they were use more them?
2: Uh, no they were more knocking they were more intimidating and using deadly poison ivy happened to my god catchers a lot and yeah. so did the intimidate cards
0: when you sat down at the table what other cards were you thinking like i really don't want to see this tomorrow like on, on friday night what were the cards that were keeping you awake at night
2: becky uh, I mean, that was the main. Meta. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but but
0: I I think you probably felt like I can outspeed this if my rolls come up. Yeah. Is, is that fair to say? Yes obviously poison ivy is something you didn't want to see god catcher wise there's two-cost intimidator gazer there's oscar potentially is a problem for you anything else that i'm forgetting here
2: you know i thought the and i saw a couple green lanterns also but that was mainly what i saw i saw lawler once i give the i believe it's pronounced flexi
0: yeah good old Truby. truby yeah
2: He had the whole modern team with a tune and Wasp, and that was like the one major team that stood out to me of being so different. And I was so yeah. glad to see something like that made it as far as it did, because I don't think anyone was running anything like that except for him. So that was cool. Yeah, true makes, cool yeah. makes cool teams.
0: We makes cool teams. I tried to you know, analyze the meta a little bit in terms of direct damage didn't fell down by the wayside. It was like top, I think... 13th, I think, Peter Vandeveld came in with with an Iceman, and he ran that really well, and you know maybe with some little breaks it might have fared a little bit better, but pretty much everything north of there was all combat damage driven teams. There was you know a Green Lantern, I think True Mr. Six was slightly behind there with a Green Lantern running team. Truby was kind of in that zone too, I think he was maybe 17th, but he was in the running up to round four. The wheels kind of came off the bus on his team a little bit in round four, but you know, he always brews super creative against the meta teams. And once again, I mean, he didn't have the match of his career against you, unfortunately, for him. But, yeah. uh, you know, I salute his spirit nonetheless. All right, we'll... Uh, well, well, really quickly, we've been
1: talking about some of these cards, which obviously didn't end up really being problems, but could be the potentially more problematic cards for people looking to run similar teams. And I'm just wondering, do you think that, I don't mean to sound presumptuous in saying that maybe Jubilee doesn't necessarily need to be here, but maybe, do you think that something like John Cena or something to get rid of the Intimidate threat or the uh, Poison Ivy threat or other threats like that would be more constructive? Or do you think it's just a waste of time to really go for that stuff when your team is as fast as it is?
2: It, this team was built on speed, and so you have to just go fast. Everything, like, you're not really buying any other guys besides Godcatcher and. And under surveillance. It, yeah, and so it. <laughs> it was a fun card and that was one of the remnants for my X-Men team and I was like, oh, it's so cool. I'll leave that on. I actually would also take off lantern ring off of my team just because the team was so fast that if I'm at right. that point, I need to do something else. Anyways, I should we do- did
0: win you one game though. Yeah. Oh, it did. Would you put maybe in a, the Gazer on or an Intimidator on there in its spot? What do you think?
2: I, honestly, I don't know what I would put on yet. I'd have to go through and look at more cards and see. Um, I'm excited to see what's all coming out from Infinity War. So
0: I think it's cool to think, you know, I'm looking at this team and realizing, as clean and cool as it is, it could even be a little sharper, like you mentioned, by saying maybe Black Widow could have been uh, Scott Hall, Scott Hall. And, it's and, not and, and limited can, to once per And you could really be once emptying a field stick. with some bolts, which you're going to have tons of here. And the other one was you only had two Godcatcher dice. So I think there was a couple times where I was watching you, and I'm thinking I could see, I could almost feel through the... Cyber transmissions that you were wishing if you could have another one or two of those. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely,
2: and you know it, that's the biggest thing in my opinion. You know, I really wish WizKids Kids would give us all max dice for those and not make you have to buy two sets to have max dice. But it is one of those.
0: It's true, and but here, here we are. You won the tournament with two, right. so hats off, my man. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, you never know because sometimes that could be like you could you needed you needed to get that under surveillance through your bag anyway, and right. so maybe not clogging your bag worked out for you in a couple it's cases where you don't even realize yeah. it you know even when I was building my teams,
2: and I was running into like with the dice, I had like fifteen dice on my team or seventeen dice on my team, and then I finally ended up with this, which just happened to have twenty dice because I threw on, you know, there were four yellow rings, which I would never buy four yellow rings because I don't right. want to clog up my bag. So
0: right, right. Well, let's before we jump into the matches, let's go over the basic actions really quickly because they were such an integral part of your team. Uh, Confront, can you read "Confront from the Mighty" and "Under Surveillance"? And let's talk about just about maybe a little bit about your general plan, your buy order, and. And how those fit into everything.
2: Okay. Confront the Mighty said target character die you control has A equal to the D of target opposing character die until end of turn. Those two character die steal damage to each other equal to their attack.
0: And what would you use that generally? What were you planning besides Becky? It was Becky, obviously, but anybody else? that you were I even planning? use
2: those against. I mean, because whenever you would fight Poison Ivy, like she would take no damage. And so trying right. to get those to wipe first would be my goal.
0: Or, or Joppa for that yeah. example, right? Because you could do it before the attack step, right? So Absolutely. there you are.
2: And then under surveillance says target character die is considered to be a level one A and D values, filled in cost and burst, if any, and is unblockable until end of turn.
0: Yep. And so for
1: a god catcher, that doesn't matter because
0: he's a token. So, he's But the trick is you've got to have that token in the field to get that to work. Was that ever an issue for you? Obviously, it was. It I, was I know an from issue watching the game
2: several but... times. And yeah, it happened actually that third game, and it happened a couple times before that where I realized it, and it's like, ah. Uh. And so under surveillance was great, but it only worked if I had. Already got a God catcher on the field. So I always had to buy that after I bought my two God catcher dice.
0: Okay, so uh, your boy order, if, if, if you were to roll perfectly, say you rolled three question marks, you'd use a Thor Global, you'd use Becky Lynch, Becky Lynch, Global, Lynch Global, and you'd buy that God Catcher and prep it right away, yeah. and then do the same thing on the next turn, right?
2: Yeah. And I would love if the my ideal situation was either A, get a sidekick in the field, B, get a fist, and that way if they do have any characters in the field, I can go in and get that God Catcher through for the first one.
0: Yeah, and that happened a lot of times, right? It so did. people were just playing with 10 life right off the get-go, right? Yeah. So then the next buy, you would generally go for under surveillance yeah. and try to get the whole thing rocking and rolling, right?
2: Yeah, and that's and that was the exact buy order, exactly what you said. It was always the god catchers and then under surveillance. Okay, well, great. Well, let's
0: get into the teams. What do you say, Logan? Uh, sure, let's get into it. All right, so just to let everybody know, Alan was on stream, I think, three or four times three times i believe that i saw at least
2: yeah i think it was three times
0: so we'll put links in the show notes to all of those games so you can check them out for yourself and also links to all the teams we're going to discuss we're just going to walk through your tournament the first game was uh, you know a tough draw right off the bat you know you never know who you're going to get in round one and it's totally random and you lined up against our good friend from michigan comics mike mike Horner from outside of detroit there and uh, just a class act and a an old-time player. He knows his way around the dice board. And he was running a Green Lantern human team really well constructed team and let's just I'm just gonna write read down. He had Green Lantern Human. He had Zatana being of magic. She's the one who when you feel the character spin it up a level and she's uh, Justice League, so he's gonna fuel that Justice League energy and uh, lantern ring kinda effect. He was running Poison Ivy Red, which is one of the cards you really didn't want to see. But when Poison Ivy blocks or is blocked by a non villain character, she gains deadly And you prevent all damage dealt to Poison Ivy by non-villain characters. Now, see, that's one of the things that she would have even stopped. You didn't have any villain characters on your team, so Confront the Mighty wouldn't even have worked on her. You probably would have had to reach for Yellow Lantern Ring to get around her. So then he was running Asuka to discount all those masks, and that really is the kind of linchpin of that team. You got Istrid Horn, moneylender. She was Winfield to choose a global ability. If you do, it cannot be used this turn, and any of its effects immediately end. So he had Clayface to get more masks for the global... He had Blob, big talking costume clown. And while Blob's active, your opponent may not purchase or field character dice with a printed cost of two. So that could really hurt your it hurt
2: my Eddie Guerrero. It actually Eddie... could hurt that.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it get, doesn't affect the God Catcher because it's not a character. So right. you know, there's, a, there's, you're gonna hear that a, a bunch in this episode. And it's of... a three cost. Yeah. And it's the three cost, but yeah. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't affect the other God Catcher either. The two cost. And then last of all, he had Black Widow agent which works against a lot of things like Green Lantern a Mara Match, or Peter Vandeveld's Iceman team, but it's not going to help against your team. And then he had two basic actions that would potentially hurt your team. One of them is Wallop. The other one is Static Field, which you had on the team and you found to be a detriment. So when you sat down and saw this team, what were, what were your thoughts when you first saw Mike's team?
2: I just was learning that, and actually the... First, Comics Monk's team and the second team I played, uh, we'll talk about that in a second, but they were mm-hmm. basically the same build. And yeah. It really, like, it was a battle because it slowed my team down. Like, in my opinion, that was one of the better counters to a god Catcher. That style of team, if they had, you know, just a few extra turns, like, it was really hard to get my god Catchers through, and it was just a battle the whole time because it's, they would wipe right. out my god Catchers, and then I'd have to recycle through those two dice. And so it just, it took a long time to get those whittled down
0: interesting yeah so that game you ended up winning that two to one but it sounds like it was close can you talk us through any critical moments
2: you know i think the the most critical moment was it's all about the speed and then when if he built up the team with the poison ivies like he he was able to make his poison ivies where he killed my god catchers every single time he forced the he, it just it was it stopped my team i mean it yeah. it, the, it it really came down to who got to who quicker
1: and uh how, how did you get around blob and him stopping down ID Guerrero I mean, so he could like Man, that
2: was, that was, I ended up going with Becky on that to get around it, trying to get that to go through. Or if I, my Black Widow Global wasn't shut down, I would try and get Blob to attack. Because, again, it's only one or two damage, and I'm like, oh, I'll take that one or two damage. That's fine.
0: Right. There must have been a time where he couldn't Static Field Blob back for some reason? or Right. Wow. Interesting. Sounds like a real chess match of a series of games. <laughs> I'm assuming, did you win the first one, or did you lose the first one? I think and I
2: won the... I believe I won the first one, he won the second one, and I, it went to... third one was a. I think I won the third one just by rushing it, by going... Just rushing it.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Sounds like a good game. Yeah, Comics Mike knows, like I said, he's a good player, so... would have He was so
2: structured on his... He knew exactly what he was doing, so props to him. Yep,
0: yep. He he loves that Green Lantern team. So, too bad that one's not on the stream, but that was the first round. And then the second round, you played a good friend of ours from the Southern California scene, Ron, good old Ronathan, and he also was running a Green Lantern human team, so you'd had some practice with that yeah. by the time Ron ran into you, right? I
2: was very happy with that, and I just realized that after playing Comics Mike, I just rushed on that one, and that one went real quick. Fortunately for me, I got the dice I needed. So yeah, he, he... I'm
1: beginning to feel that it's a bit unfair that all the Green Lantern players are like people that we have to play against every week (laughs) you know like uh, I'm just sick of that let me just run down
0: Ron's team because he had a few other pieces that were a little bit different that theoretically could have caused you problems he had the Asuka obviously to to be the linchpin of getting these masked characters quickly and cheaply he had Green Lantern he had Istrid Horn again and he had the same thing some of these are similar he had that blob again And then Ron was running the John Cena, which has Intimidate, and when John Cena is active, your Superstar dice cannot be targeted by Intimidate. He was running the Black Widow Agent, again, that while Black Widow is active, reduce damage from opposing character abilities by one. Your opponent can't target Black Widow with global abilities. And then he was running two characters that I would think would cause you to maybe lose a little sleep here. The first one was Poison Ivy Red. Same as Comics Mike. But then he was running the five-cost Fetid Bloat Drone, Putrid Explosion, who has Deadly. And when Fetid Bloat Drone attacks, all opposing character dice must, must block. Yeah. And then he had Static Field and Wallop again, which is exactly the same as Mike had before. So there's stuff on here that can really get in your way, especially, you know, I, I, Ron, I think, mentioned he said you played really well. And then he was frustrated at one point because he couldn't get a shield. To buy this vetted bloat drone, which he was hoping to use to help clear out some god catchers. Is, is that reminiscent to you at all or yeah, uh, the, the flow of the game? Exactly, yeah. And that. That
2: bloat drone, like what you're saying, making all of the characters blocked, like it would have decimated my team, and I got fortunate there. So
0: yeah, he got stuck with a couple of poison ivies. Were you able to get those out of the way? How did you get through those again? Was that that where it was uh... either Eddie Guerrero or Black Widow, mm-hmm.
2: you know, getting those?
1: Okay. Uh, really quickly, one thing I'm kind of curious about, since you weren't fielding that much stuff, how long would it take you to get your Godcatchers and under surveillances back? generally
2: with I I prepped after turn three every single time I was buying and under surveillance and so I had those ready to go and so when I hit the god catchers that when they would cycle through my bag I mean it was usually turn four or turn five
0: wow okay both of them okay so that was round two and you took round down two to zero so on to round three and you had no rest for the weary here. We we move on to Nick Wally, a.k.a. Jackalope Spam. Nick was running a really interesting brew, a, a team that's really, I consider, kind of a pilot's team. He was running the five-cost Becky Lynch like everybody else, but he kind of threw it on a really kind of control just, you know, it's one of these teams that can control you, it can lock you out, it can have some removal, and... It's one weakness, if you go we'll go down the team, probably was Godcatcher. So probably not a good matchup for him, but I want to just go through the team anyway, because it is really interesting. Uh so we had Becky Lynch, he had Danny Moonstar, the emphatic illusions casting two cost mask. And when Danny Moonstar is blocked, reroll the blocking character die. If it rolls an energy face, place it in the used pile. And if that wasn't bad enough, deal two damage to its controller. So you know that paired with Booker T is some pretty nasty removal. So that was a first piece in his lunchbin. He didn't even have to go for Becky. Really, he could that in its own can be a win condition. Then he had that Blob Big Talking Costume Clown. While Blob is active, your opponent may not purchase or field character dice with the print of cost of two. That's this guy again so if he gets his your two cost out of the field or doesn't let it ever come into the field it's out of there he then he had now this is the first of these two you played two of the teams there was only four teams that brought triple h the cerebral assassin i believe and you played two of them and triple h is a lot like the old rare blob from the x-men first class set where when you field him you can name a card and shut out that card's dice from being purchased or fielded but the difference between him, beyond being a six cost, is he only works on character dice. So as good as that Triple H is against something like Becky, it just isn't going to help against a Godcatcher team like yours. Then he had on the team Istrid Horn Moneylender. We talked about before, he had the Cree Captain for the Cree Captain Global, and he had Xanathar Paranoid Tyrant. Uh, really, for the global, though, Nick did end up buying that in a couple games in an interesting way. And finally, hit Black Widow Agent, which, you know, again, shut down direct damage strategies. And he ran the Booker T to really set up that Danny and the Becky. And then he ran Static Field. So a lot of people were like, why is Static Field on this team with the Becky team? Because really, I think Nick's team was really more control using Danny and then as kind of Becky Lynch as a topper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he could use Istrid Horde if he wanted to. Shut his own global down. Exactly, yeah. if he had to. So it's a really super interesting team. Well, and with but- the
2: blocking, with only focusing on God catchers, they can't really make the godcatcher be re-rolled because it's not a die
0: exactly so the the achilles heel to this team was your team in a lot of ways right right do you want to talk how did this match go when it when you all got said and done
2: i believe I, what was the stats on that game did it go to uh, did it go to two one
0: it was one zero so one, it zero. sounded okay. like you guys had a it, slugfest
2: yeah it was a that i do remember that now it, it took forever um and the final game went to turns and it just it took such a long time i mean it was really a chess match <laughs> It, it slowed
1: me down. It sounds like Nick. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if I'm going to lose, I'm going to take every possible second that it could possibly take, not give up an inch of ground on the control. Well,
0: I know we had a really great game against Peter Vandeveld, who was running that Iceman team. Iceman team. And at that time, Peter was kind of tearing through the tournament on the other side. And then he ran into that, and he was able to lock out Iceman with his uh, Triple H. H. And then on top of that, Peter had like the two-cost Godcatcher, and he was able, able to play around that by actually never buying Becky. And he ended up going wide to do a huge damage attack and even bought Xanathar since Xanathar never has seven attack or more. So he just stalled him out with his removal pieces like Danny Moonstar and Triple H, not letting Peter ever really ever get set up. And then finally he was able to have a huge wall and just swing through. So I thought that was neat. You know, a different different style of play, a really cool piloting aspect, but um so it sounds like you, the God Catcher, just eventually just kind of overwhelmed him. Yeah. Uh, if, if I, you know, because again, like Triple H and Black Widow. Are not going to help them that much against the, your team, right. but cool. It's a cool team. I wanted just to take a moment just to salute that team because everyone's got some pretty cool builds here. All right. Exactly. Uh, just
1: because it's all about Becky Lynch and like also some Godcatcher thrown in there doesn't mean that people aren't being creative. All of these teams are very interesting. Yeah, so they far. sure. They are. all have something unique to bring yeah, to the table.
0: You know, It's true. It's true, and so. On to round four, which is a game that is up on stream, and you can take a look at it. Well, like I said, we'll have the links to it, and it's really a great matchup between you two guys. You had This was against Stuart, the good old Stuart from the UK the incredible card artist that a lot of you folks have had the opportunity to see his work. But he was running another Becky Lynch team, but he had some interesting pieces in here too. And we're going to go over this real quick. We had Istrid Horn. He had the two-cost Godcatcher, which is the first time you played against it on the day, which is a pretty good counter to the three-cost. He had Atlantis, City, and Stronghold. That's the one where you can move any number of dice you roll during your roll and re-roll step. Uh, from your reserve pool to your prep area and on the burst and double burst also prep a die from your bag Lucan, can you read the global on that, too? Oh, yeah. Pay a
1: fist and a shield. Move a sidekick die from your use pile to your prep area. Field a different sidekick die from your use pile. It's like the old Star Labs, except for slightly different energy.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then he had Black Widow agent again, a lot of people were running that. And it's interesting that you were so far lucky to be facing them, because that has no effect on your team, basically. <laughs> it's, it's actually one of the more interesting
1: examples of like weird meta calls that we've seen, because it's not like Green Lantern wasn't around. But in other tournaments, Black Widow always has the sneaky show up, and everybody didn't think that Venerable Dreadnought would be there, whatever, but then Black Widow would be there in droves, and so people are always feeling that it's a very safe pick, and it will work and do you some good in every tournament you go to, but this time, at least from, I didn't compete in the tournament, but from the outside looking in and judging, it seemed a little bit to me like... The the Black Widow was like a bit of a mismedical
0: for a lot of people. Like well, I think a lot of people, from talking to people, a lot of people thought they had they had seven cards. The thing about Becky is it has so many things on one card that it gives you a little bit more flexibility. And they had an eighth slot that was kind of free, and they thought, well, why not put this in here because it shuts down a lot of teams. And that was what I think the play was now. And against your team, it doesn't do anything. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, against other Becky teams, not super
1: useful, or Godcatcher teams, not super useful. But if there had been more uh, Iceman and more Dreadnought around on the day, maybe yeah, but then. It, but, but even
0: if you run into one or two of those in your tournament, that might help you get the win there. So, well, there, was, there was only the one it was Peter, and a lot of people didn't get
1: the win against Peter. He he cleaned up pretty good, except for with a couple games. You know? Yeah. Well, the,
0: the one other thing that Stewart had on his team that I thought was kind of interesting is he was running the three-cost Asuka, no one is ready with Intimidate. When fielded target opposing sidekick gets plus one A. Now... This was a cool meta call because he was worried about running into that Blob that we saw on the previous couple of teams, right? So, you know, if he brought Gazer, Blob just shuts Gazer out of the game. So this was his way of getting around that. And, again, that's probably a card that you did not want to see on the day because Intimidate is an enemy of Godcatcher. Right. You know, he brought the three cost pre captain lost purpose for the pay a double fist once per turn. The next character die you purchase this turn cost three less global. And he was using that to get to his Becky Lynch, which we've already talked about. And then the last thing on his team that I thought was kind of cool is he was the only one playing this, but he brought the Kurt Angle Global, which is the Pay2Shields target superstar guy gains tagout. And he was using that to potentially move his Asuka... From the field to the prep area so that he could do it again. And then he had Booker T and and Jerry It it also serves
1: like the double purpose if he's trying to cycle his Istrids as well. And what he can also do is if he only has two shields, he can attack with Istrid and Oscar, and then Kurt angle the Oscar and give the Istrid the plus two attack. So she's she's cycling for like four damage on average. Right. Yeah. He's got a lot Mm. of characters
0: he wants to bring back around. So that's a kind of a cool global. And it was the only person that we saw in this tournament use it for this time. I know he struggled, it seemed like, a couple times getting those shields. And again, and he had the two ringside announcers to do the He had the, the Atlantis, Lich though, to... to help get the uh, Kurt Angle global. That's like, true, A lot too. of people
1: have been talking about Atlantis beforehand with, like, Thanos teams and stuff. But it's it's cool that it was here because most people think of the one that
0: draws and rolls the two dice when you feel the sidekick, but this one is also a very fun and useful, Atlantis. Yeah, I really like Stewart's team. It's a unique team, you know. Here it is, another Becky Lynch team, but and it's a Becky Lynch with the standard ringside announcers, both of them. But other than that, you know, it's got some interesting pieces here. Yeah, you know,
2: I mean, he did such a great job during that team too Uh, that was the one game that went two turns for me and it was a fun one
0: yeah this was a great 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 matchup tell us about this one because this one could have gone either way it's on there i recommend anybody who has a chance to watch it
2: it really could have gone anyway and like i said he played the team so well and that's the thing about playing in these tournaments is you really do get to play against people that really do know you know they've studied these teams and they know exactly what they're doing and they know counters and going back and forth and it just is sometimes it comes down to a die roll and sometimes it just comes down to luck. But I mean he, he navigated right. his team so well that it was a very, very difficult matchup.
0: Yeah, it's and he was undefeated coming in. Both of you guys were undefeated, so the stakes were high when this one, you know, at the beginning of round four, as when I mean, you guys sat down to play each other. Any any were there any critical moments in the game that kind of stick out to you that you remember?
2: You know, I, I don't really I need to go back and watch the video. I don't really remember right now, but it was just a fun game. I, I know that was a very difficult game, and I was <laughs> sweating bullets that whole time. So
0: There was one moment at the end, and again, it's one of these ones I'm sure Stewart's kind of going back and forth in his mind here. Do you remember this? And the, you guys were had both won a game, and it was the third game, mm-hmm. and he had gotten out two if my memory serves me correctly he had he had he, two he had, he had god
1: a, catcher uh, action dice of the two cost in his field zone but he had also one token he had a token out too so he had well.
0: three he had three god catcher things and he had i believe a fist
1: well he had he had he rolled a mask and a shield but he also rolled a sidekick right so he was able to spin one of his sidekicks down to a question mark which he then spent the question mark instead of saving it for the black widow global
0: right. which he could have used. Possibly to force you to attack, and then he had enough life to kind of just eat one of them, and then that could have made his two God catchers trigger. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of choices here. You kind of go back and forth. You it, can, you, it didn't you, end up mattering though mattering because, because you, you just rolled, rolled,
1: rolled the you rolled the God catcher,
0: and the you already had one in the field and two under surveillances. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was just an interesting moment. I, I noticed it right there. You you had a you had a speaking God catcher. You had a God roll right after that. Right. <laughs> if you hadn't had that God roll, he had a lot of stuff available to do some serious work. Well, and it goes back turn, to you
2: whenever you're doing that three cost god catcher versus the two cost god catcher. I mean, you really have to decide when to attack because a lot of times it's not worth it if you give them that ability to have yeah. to, to, the freeze up all their God catchers. It's like, oh man, I don't want to mess with that this turn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so you know, two cost godcatcher was there ten times. It was one of the most popular cards on the day of and it seems going forward that it's going to be an important part of the meta. What advice can you give people who are trying to figure out how to do like the whole three cost versus two cost God catcher minigame? Like what, what principles do you use to sort that out? Man,
2: I would say the biggest advice there is if you're going up against a two cost God catcher. Make sure that you're not attacking every single turn. And even if you can get a lot of damage on, it's not worth it because you'll die the next turn if you don't have something right. in the field to defend it or if you don't have a way to pull back their god catchers.
0: And yeah, that might be... the. You know, that's one of the arguments. You know, one of the big debates is which is better, Under Surveillance or uh, Raise shields. shields? Yeah. Because Under Surveillance is fantastic. You get that 10 damage, it goes through, but then you it lose a blocker, it, yeah. right? So, you know, so potentially the... Ray
1: Shields is better, but then you also have all these people... It doesn't kill in two because someone's going to block, and then right. the other important thing is that there are all these people running around with their joppas and their masterminds and their poison ivies that get stopped in the tracks by those sorts of things. And
0: you only get it on the burst. And, and you Ray only get Hill. it on the
2: bursts. Ray Shields was absolutely one of the cards I was thinking about putting in. So,
0: what was your thought on that? Out of curiosity, did you get a chance to test it, or did you? Was it just kind of a feeling that you felt like, oh, uh, this one's going to do me better than the
2: other? It, with all of the deadly cards out there, with the poison ivies and the you know having them intimidated out and just all of the but it was mainly the deadly stuff like it, the damage wouldn't go through anyways and all of it would be prevented and so it, right. and
1: your blockers are going away and no matter what you do you know <laughs> absolutely.
0: <laughs> round five you've got to play flexi aka truby and truby was three and one at the time he just before you had faced another Petrus had a team that uh, was. Unknown Forces, uh, Petrus, by the way. Yeah, he had a team that was just a really aggro Becky team, and he really was just going to go speed, hit hard. And Trivia had been 3 and 0, and then he'd lost to Petrus right beforehand, and, and then he ran into you here, and boy, his luck just sort of continued. On the the wheels the came off, off the bus there.
2: You know? He did not hit a single dice. That was.
0: Yeah, I mean, poor guy. He bought three Joppas, which is a good buy against your team. And they just were like, we're not coming to buy today. Uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so his team was cool. Let me just run it down because you were talking about it. And it is basically an attune team with Seething Corruption and uh, a Manchun. bunch of adventurers and a- Manchun, who yeah. technically isn't an adventure, but we all know what he really is. I mean, if he has experience, I mean,
1: if the shoe fits, Manchun. Yeah, I mean,
0: he had the Estrid Horde that stops global ability that you choose. He had Vajra, the activating the walking statues, who's got experience, attune, and spark, deal one damage to target opponent or target opposing die when you use spark. He had Joppa Zen, which has experience and takes no damage while he's blocking, so theoretically that could stop a lot of overcrushing teams he had the ziraj the hunter which again has experience and Zaraj doesn't count as an adventurer. but when he attacks target character must block so he's a good piece for removal and then he had volo guide rider who has a tune he's just that two cost attuner that was really kind of usually i think truby's first buy and then wasp another attuner and when you use a tune, Wasp gets plus one, plus one, so she can get big and nasty pretty fast. And then he had the Thor global, just like you, to lower the cost of actions with that global. And then he had Monsoon, the clone wizard, and this was part of his real strategy, which was, while Monsoon was active, when you use a basic action die, deal one damage to all opposing character dice. And uh, Monsoon doesn't count as an adventurer, but Lucan has the secret Sauce for that (laughs) Anyway he was running throne brick As for his basic action to keep that rolling And keep the tune churning And as well as the seething Seething corruption corruption, Which is what he would use to Clear clear. people's fields and kind of Frustrate his opponents. But uh, against. It's not like monsters aren't floating around, especially with
1: Gazer and all that. Like, experience is not useless these days. No, you know? it's true. And
0: if he gets some experience, then that Gazer is out of luck, right? So. And
1: it, it, it used to be the sort of thing where you'd forget that the adventurers even have experience. Right. But these days, you know, that set, TIW, is. No slouch of a set, shall we say?
0: So even in when when this round started, Truby was still very much in the mix. And you know, I salute you know somebody who brings in a tune team in this kind of meta and can get to round five and still be in the mix is pretty impressive. But your memory of this game, it it, it kind of just you just kind of he couldn't roll a to dice get... uh,
2: I I almost felt bad about that game because he couldn't hit a dice and it was like oh there's a 10- 10 <laughs> right. character slapping me again so
0: <laughs> right and if ever there's a team yeah he couldn't roll any characters he he was able to roll one job at one time and you could just y- you, you just you force <laughs> it to attack you yeah. <laughs> little insult to injury, right? Yeah. So, sorry, Truby. Nice. Well well played. But sometimes if you can't roll characters, especially against your team, good luck. And like right?
2: I said, anyone that brings something completely different to a meta and does as well as he did gets props. Because, I mean, exactly. it, was, it was cool.
0: So let's move on to the final. While While this was happening, while you were kind of... Steamrolling your way through the first five rounds, we had somebody else going five and zero, and that was Laurier, also known as. CCM, what double 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 o oh, o oh, oh, Some seven. combination of numbers. I don't think anybody knows. <laughs> I think it's. I Poison, don't even know if. Actually, Poison. knowing Laurier, Laurier, he definitely
1: knows what the number <laughs> yeah. is. But
2: the one thing that was nice about how quickly um, that I beat Truby right there was I actually got to watch a good chunk of Laurier's game and see what his what was going on there. So
0: yeah, and and he ran a very very interesting team as we would expect. Again, his team was, I mean, his win con was was Becky Lynch, but he had other things going on here that were interesting. And the first off, it was that Deadpool were X-Force. And he could buy it. He bought it on occasion, but really more than anything else, it was for the global, which was the pay a fist, deal two damage to target blocking character die. And you could do that multiple times. It's kind of like... An inverse version of Cone of Cold, and extremely effective with Booker Becky T, Lynch. Becky led, yeah. Jerry Lawler. And yeah, it's,
1: it, it converts one fist into, like, four damage, so, because it, yeah. it takes two health off whatever the uh, blocker is, and then doubles the minus two to four, it's just, yeah. Really good. Very powerful.
0: It also helped him get rid of poison ivies on occasion, as the source of damage is the global itself and not a non-villain die. So it gets around her restrictions. Save a couple fists, and you can potentially get rid of her. He was also running that Jopa Zen, so you saw that a few times, and that was a card that you didn't want to see, obviously, but not too much of a problem for you because you're going to try to go unblockable anyway. And then he was running Intellect of Hour just like you. So that gave you a double Intellect of Hour, which is probably useful. He had the Cree Captain Lost Purpose. Got and- uh, the
1: global that makes things three cheaper for two fifths. Yep. He had Gazer Evil Familiar, which
0: it was... Luke, and you want to read it? Uh,
1: sure, it's got Intimidate, and also he can only use Intimidate on characters with one
0: or less experience. Yeah, Gazer was real popular, unsurprisingly. There was a bunch of folks who ran Gazer yesterday. Not too many played against you, but that's a card that could really cause your team problems. Absolutely. And then he had Triple H... Like I said, you played against two people who had Triple H, and he used Triple H throughout the day, extremely effectively. In a mirror match that he showed up against with another Becky, there's a couple times where that Triple H just really put the hurt on a Becky team. So, but again, it doesn't work against God Catchers. It doesn't work on actions. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work on actions. So God Catcher just kind of still can do its thing. And then last he had the Eddie Guerrero two-cost move all the up. energy from the reserve pool to the use pile when he attacks. Yeah. So and then of course he was running Jerry Lawler and Booker T so both of those <laughs> announcers, in combination with good old Becky Lynch, can put the, the hurt only on people time fast. The
2: game that I was actually lollard with that, and that's how he won the second game. And so,
0: yeah, tell us about how that happened. What, what did you accidentally leave that sidekick, or was that like a, what was what was going through I, your mind?
2: You know, I, I yeah, I accidentally left it. As soon as I realized I did, I regretted it. I was like, I should have taken it out. <laughs> and yeah. I, I don't like going back, like if I do something, especially in a tournament, like I hate going back on, you know, I I said I did it, so I'm not going to fight it, and it's like, oh, I regret leaving that there, can I turn it, and yeah, so...
0: Okay. Well, let's talk about the first game. Yeah. So the first game was just kind of happened like you wanted. If you,
2: can yeah. you, can you walk us through it? If you remember first game was the perfect game. I mean, it was, it went so quick and then it, you know, most of the games they were taking 50 plus going to the extra turns and stuff. They were taking an hour. We finished our first two within like the first 25, 27 minutes or something like that. But that first game, I just hit the perfect rolls and God and did exactly what I needed to that first game.
0: Yeah. You were able to roll a shield and a couple bolts, so that you could pay for the Becky Lynch Global use one bolt for the Thor Global and another to get yourself a God Catcher and get it right over to prep it all lined up kind of like how you designed it in your mind right right
2: it was a uh, yeah
0: the first game went perfectly,
2: perfectly.
0: <laughs> and then what happened in the second game? So, so, to so talk us through how that the accidentally leaving that because uh, I, I was looking at it, I was thinking, did you roll have two two masks and only be able to spend one dumb? But you had two, so you probably could have spent them both. So it was just probably a misplay on your part. Yeah, it, at that it point.
2: was, and it got me. Um, and that was the only, like I said, that was the only time the entire tournament that I got lollard, you know, and had that double damage dealt. And it was like, man, I'm not going to make this mistake again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. that's exactly what his strategy was, and. Was Doing that, and he did it in game five too. And it just you've got to really pay attention to what dice you have in the field, and it you know that led to what happened in game three. But I'll talk about that in a second.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Let's talk about this real quick because I think you can really see in the style of play that's happened. I think WizKids has made a very deliberate intention to not only shift the meta away from direct damage towards combat damage which we see but also to shift it away from walls we're not you know you can't have a wall anymore right because right. of these you know you've got an overcrusher and then you've got a uh, one fist global that can double that overcrush <laughs> you better not leave too many people in the field no, you better right. leave zero people in the field it right? To, <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly and it goes back to like whenever i first started playing with the uncanny x-men uh, wolverine where he deals double damage if he's blocked you know i would i remember trying to always get him to get overcrushed just to deal that double damage because it was fun when i was building x-men teams but
1: right Although on on the subject of like the meta that is currently out there with the all the combat damage and whatnot a lot, a uh, very common subject of debate currently on Discord and other platforms are is like people calling for bans on Becky and also on Jerry Lawler. Just think it's important to remember we are currently. A, Mr. McCat said it well. You know we are living in a meta which was never supposed to exist. Right. Um. <laughs> and you know when IG comes out, things. Could be changing a lot with Angela, who stops field Fielded abilities, and we'll there's see. Kang and stuff. Well, like, there's
0: some, there's some, you know, there's some pretty aggressive cards in there too. We'll see we haven't seen shakes. the whole set. We, we haven't, haven't seen, seen the whole, whole set. We'll, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. But it was interesting to even watch, you know, because you at one point in that second game, you still had a Godcatcher token out, which is, you usually think, like 10-10, that's a pretty good blocker, right? Right. But, you know, Laurier was able to get, I believe it was a level 2 Becky, and he had a couple of fists and a shield to force your Godcatcher to block, and then he was able to, you know, double it, using the Lawler Global, and then use the other fist to use the... What's his name? Deadpool, Deadpool thank you. The Deadpool Global. So pretty soon, he, he you were at seven, and, and he was able to still, even you, though you had a 10 defense character, get six damage on you and get yeah, you down to one. Yeah, he got me one. down to one, and it was like, oh, <laughs> man. And then even that, that was so close that he'd missed rolling that Becky again, he didn't need to because he was able to roll a sidekick and one of those Gazers and just kind of hit you for one damage and that's all it took so that set off the final round so let's talk through the final round how did that go because that was a good game and it was you know touch and go for sure for both yeah
2: i you know and that's whenever it really came down to strategy it became a chess match for sure and i made a mistake there and said it was over and it wasn't because i thought i could do under surveillance and it didn't happen but we got it you know we got it set right and everything and then what happened though with the it really turned into a chess match like i'm like i i would love to have a defense up but at the same time it's almost better to not have a defense so i would convert my sidekicks out and you know it just turned into where i would force them to attack and stuff and it it, but I would rather take 8 damage than 16 at this point in the game.
0: Right. And you didn't want to leave anything because he had 3, I believe, of those. Did he have? To, no, I don't he, think well, he, he had, had the one Joppa. I he, don't had think one he had one no. It was the Gazers. The he, the had he had Gazers, 3 Gazers. Yeah. So there was always the danger of you, if you left one of your tokens out, that Gazer is going to send it away forever. So... Finding the time to hit it was and, and tricky, I, right? Yeah,
2: that's exactly what it happened. I mean, I there was a time where I was like, no, I'm not going to activate it this turn. I'm going to let it go. Well, there's
1: yeah. one crucial moment when he he had the gazer, but he missed it. Yeah. Which is uncommon to see from, from Laurier <laughs> missing gazers. I, I, I watched a lot of his games while I was judging, like, most of the pools would finish. I'd be like, "Okay, I'm heading over to Laurier's game," and he's like, "Well, this is over unless he doesn't roll his gazer." Always rolls the gazer, you know. But <laughs> well, he missed it when it he missed it when there, it counted there, there. Yeah, it's
0: interesting because the game sort of it was an interesting kind of game of momentum because you got out early and you hit him for ten, but then he got his gazers going. He got a few things set up. He, I think he did get a Joppa out. It seemed like the momentum might have been shifting towards him. It, and what it, was it, your feeling on that? No, yeah. it
2: exactly what I was thinking too. The momentum shifted. And then I missed one of my, I think I missed after we got it reset up, I, I missed the next role where I had both a, I believe I had to confront the mighty and a, Uh, under surveillance and I missed the under surveillance and so it went another round after that and I was stressed and I was like man this is not going my way (laughs) a
1: lot of back and forth yeah Yeah. it's just showing you you know you just with with god catcher that's that's 10 damage if you can thread the needle just once you're halfway there and if you're already (laughs) halfway there then if you can just do it one more time it's (laughs) over right and it's pretty easy to sneak one through early on in the game so it, it really is just one time threading the needle and that's that's it
0: so tell us how the magic came up how did you finish him off in the end because again he had the elements to really close it out on you and how did how were you able to sneak that last 10 in
2: it it went back to i ended up rolling getting a sidekick and then i got the under surveillance that i needed and so i activated the god catcher and activated another under surveillance and got it to go through unblockable and so that's what ended the game and it was joyous at that moment. Felt kind of bad that it was his birthday, but at the same time, it was like, oh, I just can't believe it happened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The birthday luck ran out. Well, you know, happy birthday, Laurier. And, uh, and still, congratulations. I mean, you this is second a huge place is, second place yeah, out of 45 pretty, pretty people. Good, yeah. That's really impressive. It is. And again, we want to mention that 43 out of the 45 played the whole day. So I, I think that speaks I think that's incredible one of the most because value, because of things right? is that so many people stuck through the tournament,
2: and even though it was you know, three o'clock in some places, whenever it was done, like everyone actually sticking through and 43 of the 45 finishing that whole tournament. That's awesome. Like, that's, what's cool about doing these online tournaments is that you have people and fans that are really interested in playing this game and they want to play. So
0: absolutely, absolutely. And, and, oh, you know, what? one other question I did want to ask you, there was one game, I believe it was against Stuart where game one you were using blue and red basic action oh, dice God, yeah. and then game two you switched them what happened there and and what can can somebody can you give some advice to folks who are playing this in general like that seems like maybe a, a learning lesson somehow
2: yeah the biggest thing i mean we switched the action dice game two and i it threw me off i've been using red for under surveillance the entire time and so he he had bought it but we didn't switch the dice right so you need to always talk with people before you get started and make sure you have the dice I set up right because it completely messed my head up. Like I'm like, oh, it's un- it's under surveillance. No, it's not. And and it's definitely handy reason. to
1: like have all those all the extra different yeah. colors of action dice on the side of your table online because yeah, like yeah. whatever would, it is, just and, keep and
2: I would it straight forward go and through, it. and you don't have to set up the other team's cards completely or anything like that, but at least set up the basic action so you can see it, move those dice off the table once they're bought, <laughs> but making sure you have a visual of it, and that's and also I don't use those colors that often, the color indicators, but maybe I, I think I'm going to start using those just because it threw me off that game.
0: When yeah, I, there there's a couple times you thought you had confront the mighty it was under surveillance yeah it was
2: yeah that's on MAME.
0: okay yeah well it's interesting it's a a learning lesson i always like to see those things you fortunately you still won that game but uh yeah good learning lesson in the way as it goes okay well anything else you want to talk about the tournament any other things that 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 i might have missed and and, or lucan might have missed well that we should cover
2: No, I think the biggest thing, though, that I just want to say is I just hope WizKids will let us do another online tournament like this. I mean, you've got the passionate players that have all moved online, and man, let it happen again, because that was a blast of a day.
0: Yeah, I was really, we were so psyched that uh, Jimmy reached out to us, and we were really happy to be able to, to put this on. So I hope I don't see why not. I think the the door is open and they're interested in the game and, and keeping us happy. So how is, what what is your, is your local scene happening at all at this point or um, how's things in Austin at this point?
2: You know, my local scene, I would say Austin right now, we do not have very many people playing. I'll still play with my, I have a twin brother who lives here and we'll play every once in a while. But I would say with the local scene, though, that I have a lot of people who's interested in actually doing the Rainbow Draft. There's a lot of people excited about that here. Yeah. And we're running into the issue of where can we do it at because the stores, you know, a couple of our local stores are like, I don't know if we can do that, especially because it's, you know, passing cards and dice and everything so uh we're gonna see what happens with that but we've already talked about maybe doing it at someone's house it's just everyone has to feel safe with that for my local scene what really hurt it was just the amount of seat uh, this is whenever guardians of the galaxy was being released and x-men and then thor right after that and it was just it became so expensive for people to get the cards and everything to play and so that release schedule really hurt us and after that without the lack of you know it was so inconsistent with when the cards were coming out and when they were supposed to. It really hurt our scene here.
1: It it, it, it was followed by... One of the biggest droughts, or probably the biggest
0: drought in the history of Dice Masters. Right. Yeah. It's and you know, it's frustrating because we got the game in a way it's it's going gangbusters in so many ways, and people are loving the game, and obviously showing up for these online tournaments, which is great that we can do that. But I always believe that you know a healthy balance between the online scene and the in person scene is good for the game and the right. whole. So and I think uh, you know rainbow
2: drafting will be able to get a few people back out. I'm excited about that. Exactly.
0: Um, so all right. Well. Then let's get on to... All hall of Fame. fame. All
2: right. That was
1: not
0: synchronized, but we can go fix that <laughs> and post. I think
1: y'all just do it
2: again right
0: now. We're <laughs> All the Hall of Fame. fame. All right. Well, (laughs) Alan, I don't know if you've had the chance to listen to the show before, but we like to give our guests the opportunity to nominate someone to our illustrious imaginary Hall of Fame. And if it's a player you're inclined to nominate, they're required to be retired or semi-retired from major competition. So, if you're curious out there and you want to follow along, you can check out the Hall of Fame
1: at... XYZ forward slash HOF for Hall of Fame.
0: <laughs> there you go. And you can find out all about all the, the, the background Shout of the people out. who have been nominated in the past and... People who have been inducted. So Really quickly, we haven't thrown out the link to the show notes for this
1: episode. Yeah, why don't so you do that? That's at rollandthunder.xyz forward slash, oh, shoot, I don't know the number. What's the number? 15. 215. <laughs> rollandthunder.xyz forward slash 215 for season two, episode 15. There you can find the show
0: notes, all the links that you could want to the, all the streams and other stuff. Yeah. Anyway, Alan, so have you had a chance to think, have you thought of anybody who you might like to nominate for said hall?
2: I have. I was thinking long and hard about this, and it goes back to who first got me in the game and was talking to about the game and everything. And he's always talked to me about teams and helped run some of the tournaments and he was running PDC for a while. And I was thinking I was going to nominate Stuart Shulman for it.
0: Stuart Shulman, a name repeatedly mentioned on our podcast, a former member of the reserve pool and now a member of Gaming with Sidekicks, winner of so many WKOs, runner up at the 2017 U.S. Nationals, top eight in just about Everything you can think of, not to mention one of the driving forces behind the PDC events of yesteryear, he kind of checks all the boxes, and he's not just a name in the Texas Dice Master scene, but internationally as well. That's truly a tremendous nomination. Stuart, if you're listening out there, you have just been nominated to the Hall of Fame. One of the sad things about the Hall of Fame is
1: every time we're like, you've been nominated, but explicitly, but like, part of the requirements of their nomination is that they will not hear that. You know?
0: All right, well, is there anything else that we've forgotten or that you'd like to take this moment to shout from the rooftop, so to speak, Well, you got it? Uh, you know, I'm
2: just, like I said, it was so fun getting back into the game, and I haven't, I haven't played in a while because I've been training for some stuff, but it was just so much fun getting to play in such a well-organized an event, and thank you all for hosting it, and thanks to see our game room for doing the announcing for the rooms and stuff, but, I mean, it was just so much fun getting to play in such a high caliber tournament and getting to play with everyone again and it's really reignited my interest in the game and i can't wait to keep playing so
0: that's great it's our great pleasure you know i do have one last question your handle your nickname oh yeah so what's what's what's
2: behind the tuba 2k so tuba 2k7 i actually my degree is in music education i played the tuba and when i first went to college i was trying to come up with i had something for 2003 when i was in high school and that was my name i think it was whatever it was I don't even remember now but um, so since my degree was in music education I played the tuba I was like hey let's do tuba 2k7 it sounds something like Madden or something like that
0: and it's perfect right because like you know if the god catcher could play an instrument it would be the tuba right? Absolutely <laughs> it would be the sub tuba like one of the only ones actually I think is in Austin but it, it
1: really just sounds like a like a motor or something it doesn't really sound like an instrument you can't tell the difference between pitches but still it would be the sub tuba if
2: there was an <laughs> instrument that the got touched played. Well, that's awesome. Well thank you, Alan. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you all very much, and thank you all again for putting on. It was a blast.
0: Well, Mahara Neolysicum Fuihasa, but I'm feeling wiped out after putting on two major tournaments in the last two months. Yeah, time everybody. Well, there's no rest for the weary Mawak. Because a tremendous new set drops on the 22nd of this month. And thanks to the patron saint of Dice Masters, Mr. Truby Turner, with an assist from Johnny Pink Frankenstein Lesky and Stephen D.M. Armada Cookis, the entire set, yes, all of it, is now up on the Dice Coalition team builder. Let the brewing and drafting begin. I guess it's time for the most dangerous part of the show, where we deliver some much-earned thank yous Throw up a prayer lest we forget someone. Go for it. All right. First off, we want to thank WizKids and Jimmy. For providing the prizing. We want to thank Ryan and the CR Game Room crew for all the technological support, the promotional help, not to mention allowing us to piggyback onto their channel. I want to thank DM Armada for helping to publicize the event from the get go, and Jordo from DM North for helping with the design. Lonnie for designing the top two EarthX playmats. I want to thank all the streamers and recorders on the day, including Reg and Jordo on DM North, the MOD, CR Game Room, and TJ with Friday. Friday night clicks. I want to thank the Archivist for helping us TO on the day and providing support with the rulings. All those who helped spread the word and help get people acclimated to online dice masters. And most of all, a big thanks to all of you who came out to roll on the day and make it a successful event. I salute each and every one of you. All of the prizing for the One Big Weekend CCT
1: and the EarthX Origins Roll some Thunder event has now been shipped. Please let us know when it arrives,
0: or if it does not arrive. Yes. If you like what we've got going on here, please consider helping keeping this unemployed COVID ship afloat by becoming a Patreon sponsor of the show slash site. You can find the Patreon link on our homepage at rollandthunder.xyz and feel free to leave us a rating and review while you're at it shall we hit it and quit let's hit it and quit until next episode slongable well that's the end of turn five my friends and it's time for the final clear we hoped you enjoyed today's show you can find us at RolandThunder.xyz without a G or an apostrophe where you'll discover all the links necessary to listen or subscribe to the show. You can also reach us by email at arj or Lucan at RolandThunder.xyz. Our theme music was created by Jesse Wiener. We're in no way affiliated with WizKids other than we love and celebrate the game of Dice Masters. So keep on rollin' We'll be talking again in two weeks time with another guest. So stay tuned and enough said.